You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for 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 Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. 803 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. It is hour three of the program, better known as the Rick Hour. Rick Dollywall, Rick Talkett, Rick Moranis will be joining us at the end of the show. No, I'm just kidding. We couldn't get him. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, let's go to the dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline right now. The first call, the only call, but with two Ricks. Two calls, two Ricks. Rick Dollywall joins us now on the Halford and Breff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Dolly? What's going on, boys? Friday. Dolly, well, great work on the Lindholm trade. I was following your Twitter account the whole way. Um, what was the most interesting aspect of the Lindholm trade, the way it all went down? Well, first I want to say this, uh, uh, Jason. It is a clear message to the team and the fans that this management team thinks the Canucks have a, a shot to go very, very far. It's also a very strong message to other teams, especially in the Western Conference. They got their number one target. Around the 30-game mark of this season is when the Canucks really decided Lindholm was the guy they needed to go after. He's a two-way center, power play, penalty killing. He can play wing center, two-positional player. There was a game in Colorado in December where the Canucks scouted Lindholm, and he was fabulous, shutting down the Avalanche's uh, top players. And so getting him was a part was a part of the equation, right, guys? But now they are they going to be able to resign him? That mm-hmm. is going to be tough for me. It won't be easy. The preference is to resign, but I was told the Canucks are also okay if it's just a rental. Um, but this is a guy that on July first is going to ask for seven, eight years, upwards of eight million. Yeah. Some say he rejected eight, nine million from the Flames. Uh, Lindholm, by the way, changed agents a while back. His good friend is uh, Jacob Markstrom. He's now with the firm that represents uh, Markstrom. So the other thing, Jason, is thanks to Lindholm, Canucks now have eight. Are you, are you, are you listening? Eight UFA players. That's almost half the roster. Mm-hmm. Rutherford made it very clear yesterday. These players will all be dealt with after the season. And if they don't all resign, which is we know it's they impossible to resign yeah. them all, it's going to give the Canucks a lot of flexibility heading into July first. But but I just I'm telling you, it's now eight UFAs. Then you got Pedersen. Then you got Heronic. Man, the gymnastics that is going to be done with signings after this season is going to be incredible. Yeah, they might have to lean on some young guys down in the AHL too. Have so, to. Yeah, have they, to. They might have to. Um, how much was Chris Tanev part of these trade talks? Okay, so uh, I, I just want to say I love the fact that Canucks not only after went after Lindholm, that, but they inquired about Tanev as well. Um, absolutely, he was a part of it. Absolutely, they talked about Tanev. But here's what I was told. The Canucks left the Tanev talks feeling the Flames think they can get a first-round pick for Tanev, and they're going to wait for that. 
But if you're the Flames, why not ask for a first? There's up to 10 teams in Ontana. That competition itself will probably land them what they want. Canucks did not have the assets to do Tanev and Lindholm. They're still going to poke around on Tanev, but if they don't get him in the trade, they're going to try on um, July 1st. You know, there's a reason why I mention Tanev every week in this market. Canucks love him, and they'd like to get him back. Mm -hmm. The respect for this guy, not only in Vancouver, but around the NHL, very, very, very high. Around the league, he is known as a great pro on and off the ice, great teammate. If he hits July 1st, Jason, Vancouver's going to be very, very high on his list. The Canucks' stiffest competition for Tandem in the summer may come from the Maple Leafs because nobody loves Tandem more than Brad Tree Living. Signed him in Calgary, and Tree Living right now is trying very, very hard to get Tandem. Um, so I, I, I think the Flames, everyone, I think they're going to hold out trying to get a first, and why not? They got lots of time. They, the competition for Tanev is out of this world right now for him. Yeah, I would do the exact same thing if I were in their shoes as well. How hard was it for the Canucks to give up Hunter Briskevich? Okay, first I want to say this. Uh, the Canucks are very, very happy. They just made a major trade to acquire a major player uh, before the deadline, and they did not have to give up Willander or LeCare Mackey or any player in Abbotsford, Pod Colson or Baines. That was huge. That was big for them. Now... I want to get on to uh, <clears throat> Hunter Biscavich. Not easy to part with this guy. That's the player that can come back and kind of bite them a bit. That's the player that made the Canucks really think. In his draft here, Calgary liked him a lot, so no surprise the Flames asked for him. Other teams asked as well. His great year in the OHL, obviously, has not gone unnoticed in the hockey world. But here's the problem for Biscavich in Vancouver. He would have had a tough time climbing the ladder as an offensive defenseman. you got Quinn Hughes. Philip Peronik here. Hey, look, getting power play time in Vancouver is a tough thing to do for any defenseman because yeah. you got a guy named Quinn Hughes here. The other thing is the young right shot defenseman that everyone's waiting for is Vancouver. It's not Biscavich. It's Tom Willander. Mm -hmm. He would have had a tough time passing him. Yeah, I, I, I was saying he might be in the same situation as Jack Rathbone, where your best it. your best attributes are just blocked out. I mean, how much of the first, uh, how much of the power play does Quinn Hughes play? Like ninety percent of it. And, and, ninety and yeah, and most of the time he's the only defenseman out there. So mm -hmm. you got Heronic sitting there chomping at the bit to get in too. <laughs> and all of a sudden, um, how is he going to climb the ladder? I mean, you remember Martin Brodeur played twenty years in New Jersey. You, you think if you were a goaltender, you ever wanted to be drafted by the Devils? <laughs> No. If, you, if you're an offensive-minded defenseman, you probably don't want to go to Vancouver because if Quinn Hughes plays here for the next 20 years, like I, I don't think uh, it, it, it would have been tough. I think he's in a better spot to grow as a player in Calgary than he would have been in Vancouver. Now, listen, the Canucks were talking with his agent about signing. They weren't close before January. Like There, there was a, a gap there. But um, the Canucks were talking with his agent. They would. They had been talking for months. They agreed to revisit in the spring. There would not have been an issue signing Biscavich. Um, I talked to the agents, uh, both of them, last night, and uh, they felt confident that Biscavich would have signed with the Canucks. In uh, th th There were issues in September, October. I don't think they were close. But I, I, I felt good vibes that they would have got it done later. But uh, you know what? Look, you just went out and got Lindholm. You're not getting him for free. And you have to cough up a good young piece, and I think they did that in, in Biscavage. Um, over under 500 texts, how many 
were sent to Dan Milstein by your phone this week? <laughs> uh, he's had a tough week. Uh, did you see his hit with us yesterday? He's in a hospital on IV. Uh, we take snow no, days. No, I didn't know guy. that. Yeah, he was in a hospital in Toronto on an IV. And, uh, you know, Henderson makes us take a snow day. <laughs> and this guy... You know, and we get called soft for taking a snow day. This guy's on an IV in a hospital doing a hit with us yesterday. Hey, uh, Jason, tough week for Dan Milstein, Kuzmenko and Zadorov. I, w- I want to say this. Behind the scenes, Milstein worked incredibly hard to keep Kuzmenko in Vancouver. He really did. Conversations every single day of the week with the Canucks. He did not want this to end in a divorce, but it was unavoidable because Kuzmenko just refused to play the way Tockett wanted him to play. And if you're getting benched in December and January and you're not getting better, what was going to happen in the playoffs? At the end of the day, even Milstein knew it was time to move on. It's actually the best thing for Kuzmenko, a fresh start for a guy who's not hard to cheer for. But I don't think I can tell you guys how hard Milstein fought to keep Kuzmenko in Vancouver. Every time he got healthy scratched, I would text him and he would say, we're not not asking for a trade. We're going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. That guy put more time and energy in the last six months in a Kuzmenko than I think he put, and he's got a star-studded amount of clients in the NHL. I think he put more time in a Kuzmenko. I I just can't. I know some stuff behind the scenes. he did not want to, uh, Kuzmenko to leave, but eventually, he, uh, even he knew at the end that it, it wasn't going to be safe. Now, then Milstein on Monday had to deal with rumors about the Canucks were trying to move Zadorov. He wasn't happy with those. He, he, he was not happy. Um, Milstein worked uh, hard to get Zadorov to Vancouver from Calgary. Remember, he had permission to, from the Flames to talk with teams. He wanted to get him to Vancouver in a bad way. He thought it was the best, for his, uh, best fit for his client. When the Canucks acquired Zadorov, both sides had talked about possibly trying to get an extension done at some point. Milstein told us yesterday he will try and get that extension done in Vancouver after the season. The Kuzmenko trade will not affect Milstein's relationship with the Canucks. It is strong as ever. They, he, he, he had to be involved. The moment the Canucks picked up the phone on Sunday and, and Milstein got a whiff that Kuzmenko might be involved in this, he had to work with the Canucks hard because, of course, Calgary was on Kuzmenko's no trade, and he had to, he had to talk to Andre and say, you know, are you willing to waive and go to Calgary? Mm-hmm. As soon as Sunday hit, he's been working incredibly hard. He was sick at the time, and then the Zadorov stuff. But this relationship is not hampered because of what happened uh, with Kuzmenko. Milstein's got a very good player coming out of Russia this spring, and the Canucks will be one of the teams interested in on that player. But very interesting, the dynamics of Milstein and the Canucks and Kuzmenko and uh, Zadorov this uh, past week. What did you make of like the Zadorov talk? Where did it all come from? And was there anything to it? Like, is Are the Canucks taking calls on this guy? Okay, so who dropped it? My good friend, Elliot Friedman, who's a good friend of mine. There's not a day that goes by where Elliot and I don't text or call. Elliot doesn't drop info for the hell of it. If, if there's smoke, there's fire. If he drops it in the Vancouver market, he drops it. Was there something there? I do believe. I heard something last Saturday as well, but I didn't. I, I, I backed off, and I, I, I didn't. Look, it, there was something last weekend. Right. There was. Okay. A, there was. A, there was something there, and you heard something too. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something last weekend. Everyone was getting it in the media that there's something up with Zadorov. Elliot does not drop stuff in this market just for the hell of it. There was something there, uh, but uh, rather. 
Rutherford uh, shot it down. Milstein shot it down. Everyone's in denial. But think about it. The Canucks started talking to Calgary on Sunday about, um, you know, the big guy they got this week, Lindholm, and who was a part of the talks? Tanev. Like, I mean, think about it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you exactly. Know, well, like, yeah. they'd have to move someone out to get Tanev in. That, well, that's it. And so, anyways, I, the Canucks deny it. Like, Rutherford told me that that's, that it's not true. And, and Dan told me Monday that it's not true and he's not being traded and he's not going anywhere. Now, the interesting thing is, can you cut an extension? You yeah. know, because Dan wants uh, long term. He wants term because Zadorov's still under 30, heading into UFA status. He still will have a lot of good interest on July 1st. Uh, can he get the term from Vancouver? I don't know. And now that we know that the Canucks are not dealing with these guys till after the season, these UFAs, so it's going to be really interesting. Canucks have three UFA defensemen. Can you really let all three walk? Well, Jesus. we'll see you, Rick, but I'm going to have to cut you off, and we're going to have to go, go, go. shelve it because we're going to talk to Rick talking now. Go, go, have a great here. weekend, buddy. Bye. Thanks for all the good info. That was Rick. an aggressive hang-up. Yeah, I, I respect it. That's Rick Dollywall here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We upgrade Rick's now. We go to Toronto, and we are joined now by Vancouver Canucks head coach Rick Tockett here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Rick. How are you? Man, I can't believe you cut him off for me. He oh, t- yeah. Uh, it was our pleasure. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> uh, how's Toronto, Rick? Have you been able to catch up with anyone you were looking to see? Uh, yeah, the, it was with the players last night a little bit. Saw them, uh, you know, saw, uh, you know, uh, C-Mac or uh, PR team, been with them a little bit. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good to be around the Vancouver people. But, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of faces, uh, you know, seeing some of the uh, star players. Obviously, the other coaches here picking their brains. So, it's, it's, been a, it's been a fun couple of days so far. How much time have you been able to spend with Elias Lindholm? Uh, probably about 15 minutes uh, yesterday. So uh, he's obviously very, very excited. Uh, but, yeah, nice kid, and uh, we're, we're excited we got him. Um, I've heard you say a bunch of times um, the importance of adding a right shot face-off man. Can you just maybe expand on, like, what kind of situations where that comes in in a big way? Well, definitely if you had the PK, you know, obviously the team gets to – Power play gets to pick what side. So, um, you know, having that right shot, uh, draw man, I think he's at a 55% clip, which is, you know, which is excellent. Um, that's going to be really helpful. Uh, but obviously just, you know, late in the games, just having that right-handed guy, you know, that's something we don't, we, you know, we don't, we don't have, uh, obviously Millsy and, and Petey are, you know, and, uh, they're actually pretty good even on their off, uh, off, uh, side where they, where they have to take the draws. But mm-hmm. I think with Elias here, we're going to really utilize him in those situations because there's, there's parts of a game when you really need that draw on, uh, on that side. What makes a great defensive center? Hockey IQ, uh, known situation. Um, you know, when, when, when a guy makes a mistake, you know, those, those really good, defensive centerman you know, he, obviously he's got offense but they don't duplicate the mistakes they know how to they know how to be in position to to allow the shooter to get the, the you know the the least ma- the great shot like you know i think that's the first thing that we kind of cleaned up was last year is not duplicating mistakes so when you have a guy like lindholm or pd or miller they, they, they don't do duplicate mistakes uh Bluger, uh even Suter. You know, the, they're very good at kind of reading the the, uh, the uh, situation on the ice after mistakes. 
I've heard you say multiple times that you're a big puzzle guy. When you're making line combinations, and we talk a lot about line combinations, and we've been talking even more now that there's Lindholm in the mix, um, do you have a specific mix of players, like when it comes to their individual strengths, that you like to have together? Like you have one guy that does this, one guy does that. Um, is is that something you look at? Yeah, you know, you know, you try to you try to group people together with some chemistry. Um, you know, obviously having three guys that play an East West game is probably not the right chemistry for a line. So, you know, um, and I, you know, the one good thing for me, especially now, you know, you can, you can go with lines with hybrids, you know, you can have, you know, whether it's PD and Lindholm or Millsy and PD or whatever, they're both can play center or wing. And that's a luxury, um, you know, to, to have two two guys that can play two positions, um, we actually have three or four of them on our team. So that's a that's a luxury I have, um, and they, they fit the puzzle. You know, they can they can play together in those situations. Is chemistry sometimes hard to predict though? Like, were you guys thinking at the beginning of the season, like, what if we put together Garland, Joshua, and Bluger? Do you think that would work? Because that wasn't on our list. Yeah, you know what? I just uh, I thought Dakota. Uh, you know, if you if you look at his development of holding pucks, his forechecking, you look at Garland, the way he's been driving play, the way he, um, you know, the way he can come out of the corners and make plays, and then Teddy is the responsible guy. You know, the uh, the responsible guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you put those three together, the chemistry part of it, um, it's worked. But I got to give them, they've all bought it, bought in. They're all forechecking guys. They're all forechecking guys and. Um, and they, the one thing I think you guys heard me before, they're, they're close together. You know, they're always around each other. Uh, when lines get in trouble is when they, they play wide. They're not around each other. They're on the other side of the ice. They're always together. And I, uh, that's what I love about that line. And is that just to support the puck, basically? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I'm a big, like, I love triangles all over the ice. I, anytime somebody has the puck, you know, you want to be in a triangle position. Um, and that, that's even for defense. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of overhead camera work uh, when, I, when I analyze a game, hmm. and I look for those triangles. So uh, if, you, if you look at that Teddy Garland and uh, Dakota line, they, they're, they're a lot of triangles in their game, and that's why I, I think why they're successful. Um, how much is it going to help to get Lindholm into the lineup with over 30 games left in the season as opposed to maybe half that number if you'd gotten him at yeah. the deadline? Yeah, that's what Jim's big in. I know, you know, you guys know Jim's pedigree is he likes to make deals before the trade deadline. Um, I think it's huge to have those extra 10 games. Um, you know, I, for me, I get excited when we made the trade. I had a uh, microphone was, was, you know, was buzzing because a lot of the players were texting me how excited they were. So when you have your team excited about having a piece like that come in and now he's going to have some time to mix in. Um, you know, with the group, it's a, uh, it's, it's huge. You know, uh, you know, instead of just coming at trade deadline and missing those 10 games, I think this is big for us. We're speaking to Vancouver Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. You know, when you were talking about having triangles all over the ice, I'm like, you know, Rick Tockett would be a good soccer manager because that's what a lot of the, <laughs> they, do, they do a ton. Don't of, they do diamonds? You know, you know what they do? There's more do players diamonds. to work with. They, you know what they actually do? And it's impossible to do in hockey because you don't have enough players on the ice, but it's actually, now they start doing the, the hourglass formation. So essentially two triangles that are meeting at the point where you have oh, five or six guys. Okay. And that's how they play out of tight spaces. So how do you really, I mean, I guess you mentioned it, 
it kind of well, with the overhead cam. But how do you really drive that home? Because hockey's so much more fluid. Like guys are moving constantly. There's not as much static as there is in in soccer. I'm just curious about that. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's, but you just made a good point. Like even if you look about two triangles, that, that that's a perfect formation too. Um, well, I, I think you know, I, and I, there's other like terminology I use: stack position uh, when you go into a four check. And it, it's to me, it's uh, especially when there's pressure on the puck here. And I assume that's like soccer. What are, what are your outs? You know, yeah. what are your outs? And, I, and that's what we're trying to give our our, our puck here some outs if when the pressure hits. Obviously, when a guy's got time and space, you know the you know, the triangle doesn't come as prevalent. Um, but when there's pressure on you. That's when we really want those triangles. We want those options for the guy without you know, with, with the puck. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's hilarious how the commonalities and how congruent it is because it's the exact same thing. Sorry, it's playing out of the back, really. And it's like you need to give yeah. whoever possesses, in your instance, the puck or the ball, all the different angles to play out. right? Mm-hmm. And that's why you elaborated from just a straight triangle to the hourglass because then you have like four or five. Yeah, and, and it's, also, it's interesting. Guys, yeah. if, if there is a, a mismanage of the puck, you're in a pretty good position to play, you know, on on the defensive part. I mean, you know, it's not, you know, obviously it's it's an offensive theory, but it's also if you do mismanage a puck, you know, you have people in position to defend the puck. So I think that's another thing that, you know, that uh, you know why I like that kind of a uh, you know formation. Um, moving to some of the other guys in the lineup, um, do you feel like you need to get Mikheyev going, or are you happy with what you've seen from him? Yeah, no, we got to get him going. Mick is, uh, you know, I think Mick has um, done an unreal job for a guy that's come through that major surgery in his knee. Um, you know, and I'll be and I'll be honest, like it's not all Mick's fault. I think, you know, I, I you know, Kuzi plays a different game sometimes, and I think Mick's had tried to adjust to it. Um, I think I've told you guys before. I thought they were playing very wide. They weren't together a lot, um, and I don't blame Mick, and I'm not blaming Kuzi. I just think maybe. A different uh, line will help Mick use his speed. And, uh, you know, I want Mick around the puck, you know, even when he doesn't have it. I think, you know, going forward here, I think he's going to really have a good second half because, we, you know, listen, we need his speed. Um, and we need him to be a four-checker. We need him to come up with loose putts. And, and I got to actually start to play him a little bit more in the penalty kill. The penalty kill has been really good because I've actually started to play him on the penalty kill. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of things there. I can help Mick too. You know, um, I got to help him out. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a good release the next 30 games. I really do. Um, I guess Lindholm's going to get some penalty kill time as well, so you've probably got some decisions to make on that unit as well. Yeah, and, and, and when you, you get a Lindholm, um, it really saves wear and tear on other guys. You know, like, um, and I actually like Petey and McKayev together. Uh, I haven't played Millsy as much on the PK, and I think it's helped him maybe five on five, same sort of energy. So, uh you know, it's a 16 minute game. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of guys want ice time, but it's also, you know, if you can get four lines going, obviously the, you know, your main guys are going to get a little bit more, but that's when you're a hard team to play against. That's when you can put pressure on teams because there's a lot of juice in these players. So, you know, having that extra penalty killer can take a little bit off the load for a Teddy or, or, or a Dakota is, is invaluable for me. Um, final question here. How can you yeah. help? It might it might come up with a follow up question. How can you help some of your less experienced players prepare or maybe remember the style of hockey that's waiting for them in the playoffs? Yeah, great question. I think it's every day. It's every day how we act. Um, you know, I told the players before we left on the on this break. 
the heat, if the heat's going to cut harder, the, you know, the, you know, we've played some games where lately where, you know, even like, I don't care who you're playing. There've been fast games and, you know, there's uh, you know, sometimes there's no whistles, a lot of hitting. And I said, get used to it guys, because it's ramped this up by 10. Um, but that's preparation. That's, that's the way we practice. That's the way we, we eat the way we, we, we go in the gym. And we, we gotta, we gotta continue to prepare for this stuff because uh, you know, the pressure is going to hit us. And it's how do we handle it? You know, how do we handle if we're down two nothing? How do we handle if we get bad calls from a ref? You know, how, how do we handle if a team is playing well against us? Do we get frustrated? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you can't get frustrated in the playoffs. You know, things, you, you might have to win a two one hockey game. Um, and you might, as an offensive guy, you might have to just let the game come to you. Like, you can't force. You know, if you watch a bunch of our games lately, we're forcing stuff in the second period. And I think it's a great lesson for us because and we've won the games. But, you know, these are the games that can kill you if you're forcing plays. You know, turnovers at the blue line. And it, I think that's the stuff that we just got to keep on each other about. I told you there'd be a follow-up question. Um, how do you prepare your players um, for things to go wrong in a game because, or a series in a playoff series? Like I remember the year the Blues won the Cup. A really, I can't remember the bad call, but there was a call that went against them, and I think it might have even cost them a game. And Craig Berube at the time went, "There's nothing we can do with that." Like, I'm not going to sit up here and complain to the media about the call. It's over. It's done with. We move on to the next game, and they go on to win the Stanley Cup. And I always thought that was really impressive, not getting caught up in that moment. And, you know, it has to happen between games, but it also has to happen during games. Like, things are going to go badly. So is that just a mindset, or do you have to constantly remind them on the bench, like, guys, just stay in the moment? Yeah, that's a great. That's a that's a great thing that you have. They have a short memory, you know. That that reliever in baseball, you know, that next night, it's the same thing in the playoffs. You know, I've been involved in playoff games where you, it's you're you're crushed by the game. Something bad happened, and literally, you know, the coaches' demeanor after the game and the way they act um, when guys come out of the shower and their attitude after you you can't slump your shoulders. So even even if it's a, it's a, it's a it's a tough loss, even it's something that's really bad. You can't. You leave the rink, and you just got to think about the next day. We talk about earning our next day. It's the same thing in the playoffs. Uh, and even if you win, it's a huge win. How you know? How fast can you get to planet Earth than being on you know that you're you know you're sky high? So mm-hmm. uh, that comes with experience, but it also comes you know you know the Adam Foots being around and the Sergey Gonchar, you know these guys that being around the locker room and uh, you know on their experiences to the, the Hughes and Pedersons that there's going to be situations. This is how we're, we're going to handle these things. But it starts every day. Uh, Rick, this was awesome. Great answers, by the way. Enjoy the rest of Toronto and good luck tomorrow. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That's Rick Tockett, head coach of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. You flipped the script, the script on him. He didn't see it coming. <laughs> hey, he's like, uh, good questions. They were great answers. So yeah, like the, he's, he's, he's really I've heard to... him talk about the triangles thing before, and that's why I was like, uh, well, I, I know. I knew you were going to be like, that sounds like soccer. It does, really. It sounds but, like basketball. Well, yeah, the most famous triangle. Of all is Phil Jackson and Tex Winter. Triangle right? offense. The triangle offense, yeah. But with this, it's different because 
Uh, it's actually more about when you're getting out of your defensive area as opposed yeah, to when you're facing you're, a press. Yeah, right. And it's funny because now I'm really going to bore people with soccer. But the hourglass thing is the next evolution of it. Mm -hmm. They're like, what if we had one triangle pointed, and I'm doing it on camera this way, then another triangle like that. Yeah. And it's an hourglass. Do you know formation. what England's plan used to be? It was just like, all right, boot it as hard as you can up the field. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if a triangle develops, great. <laughs> It's a it. coincidence. Did I miss some triangulation that was, talk? That was called uh, Route One football, by the way, back in the day. And Wimbledon used to perfect it. It's like right. we're going to play it one way, straight. There's no, there's no angles. <laughs> there's no points. There's a start point, an end point. Right? You just go, and that was it. It's evolved a little bit from there. So, all uh, right, it was a fun interview. That was good. Uh, text in your what we learns, and more specifically, your ask us anything's into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We got one final segment of the week to go on the Halford and Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Reserve your spot for the big football party at the Clayton Public House, hosted by Sportsnet 650. Visit theclaytonpub.com for more. Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Welcome to Kelowna, California. West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah. Kelowna, baby. Best place in the world right here. Kelowna, California. Kelowna, California. Kelowna, California. Kelowna, California. Hey, it's 37 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound? Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We have had a huge, huge show, and folks, it's about to get bigger. I have a what we learned that is also breaking news. Sportsnet 650, breaking news. The Los Angeles Kings have fired head coach Todd McClellan. The Kings announced the news five minutes ago, and they have named Jim Hiller as their interim head coach for the remainder of the season. This decision was passed just moments ago by general manager Rob Blake. That means that despite winning his last game in charge, a 4-2 victory, over the Nashville Predators to go into the All-Star break. Todd McClellan out as the head coach of the Los Angeles Kings. What a dramatic turn of events in Los Angeles. He is now the seventh head coach, if you include Mike Babcock, to be given his walking papers this year. Of course, uh, Jay Woodcroft, who was also fired despite winning his final game in charge. He was replaced by Chris Knobloch in Edmonton. Uh, John Hines took over. In Minnesota, Drew Bannister took over in St. Louis, Jacques Martin in Ottawa, Patrick Waugh, of course, for the New York Islanders, and now Jim Hiller, Port Alberni's very own Jim Hiller takes over as the new head coach. Todd McClellan fired in Los Angeles. I guess it's not entirely surprising. That team had been sputtering along for an awfully long time. So I heard Dubois wanted him out, so they give him whatever he wants. I mean, just talk about a guy that just ruins everything, every place that he goes. <laughs> Pierre-Luc Dubois. <laughs> Quebecois for Coach Killer. I yeah. can't believe that this is how it's gone, given their start to the season. You guys remember back to the beginning yeah. of the year? I wanted to change my Stanley Cup pick to them. 
Todd McClellan was in I'll line for the, with Jack the Devils Adams now. at the beginning and, of the and year. And you can't even be like, oh, just get him a good goal, and it would have turned everything around. The goaltending's been good. Yeah. And they're still been losing the last little while. Um, so that's going to be something to watch moving forward now, because there's a lot of people that are saying, I can't believe it took Rob Blake this long to make a coaching change, given how much they've been sputtering along. And you heard the stuff coming out of the dressing room in Los Angeles. We played the Drew Doughty audio on our show. I think that's maybe where the rubber hit the road, and they're like, okay, now we got to do something. Mm -hmm. Because when the infighting starts becoming public knowledge and the discontent in the room gets spilled outside the room, you know there's problems in paradise. So a new head coach in Hollywood, McClellan, out. Again, BC boy, Port Alberni's very own Jim Hiller in as a head coach for the Los Angeles Kings. They're still in a in a wild card spot, barely. Barely. Um, well, no, they've they've got a pretty good pretty good cushion. I say based barely on points because percentage, but, and they've still got like if you look at their goal differential, it's plus twenty. Right, but I say barely because they're basic. They basically been treading trending. water, right? Yeah. Like they've they got all their cushion and the first twenty games of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at recent form, and again. Um, they're going, I don't think, I, I know David Riddick's a nice bounce back story. I don't know if you like him as a goalie laddie, but I don't think you can count on him to be a regular contributor at the NHL level. Big save Dave is um, not a big save Dave. I think he's a, he's a, a reasonable backup. Right, I think that's, I, yeah, you don't want to have him in there for a run of too many games. Yeah, because that's but, the thing. Like in, in LA when Cam Talbot's the guy and he's not playing right, mm-hmm. like Riddick isn't just a, a straight backup. Like they're playing him quite a bit. He's, he's an okay stop guy. You do a lot worse, I think, than David Riddick. But like I mentioned earlier, it hasn't been the focal point of their struggles, I think. It I ha- really hasn't been the goaltending. No, they. The, I heard it explained as such. We should have got Jonathan Davis on the show. Dang it. Um, when they get good goaltending in a game, they play bad in front of the goalie. And then when they're playing well, it seems like that's the night that the goalies mm. decide not to show up, and it just snowballed the on them. The old timely saves aren't it coming. It pinballed on them. Okay, let's let's give the LA Kings a moo cow. Todd McClellan moo cowed out of the NHL. More like moo clellan. <laughs> okay. Todd moo I'll do a quick what we learned. Uh, I learned that I'm now cheering against the Chargers because Jim Harbaugh went in there and said, we need to win multiple, multiple championships. And then he said, we're going to be humble, humble and hungry, but that's our goal. Our goal is to treat people in a first-class manner and to win multiple championships. It's a good goal, but why don't you start with one? Reminded me of Russell Wilson going into Denver. Remember he said, he's like, I want to win multiple titles. I'm like, how about make the playoffs? Jim Harbaugh. This is Jim Harbaugh though, right? Like this is what he is. He's cheesy and he's kind of weird. Remember when he was like, uh, remember when he won the national title and the confetti was coming down and he's like, each piece of confetti has a story to tell. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's just pieces of paper. Yeah. He's got a, (laughs) he's got a little bit of like fortune cookie philosophy to him like i you know <laughs> he's I, a good coach don't get me wrong but so when guys go in there and say we want to win multiple multiple championships i'm like get back to the playoffs first uh, okay they were five and 12 last year yeah they play in the same division as the kansas city chiefs who by the way are on their way to another super bowl they have one playoff win since 2014 they're not a good franchise They've never won the. They've never won a title, right? No, they won, they're not they a went good, to the they, Super Bowl yeah. and got blown out. So I I respect the fact that a guy that just won a natty at Michigan is like I'm going to do this at the NFL level, and um, he's a, he's real cheesy, and uh, he had like multiple Ted Lasso shout outs 
during his presser. <laughs> there was a Shawshank Redemption reference in there. He was very effusive in his praise of Justin Herbert. He said he's like a shining star in the league, and he was awestruck or dumbfounded <laughs> when he met him. It's a lot because the reality of this is, is you're inheriting a team that won five of 17 games last year, which is bad. Um, you are not a power player in your own division, never mind the NFL. Like I just felt like maybe it needed a little bit more humility, maybe a little bit more. Well, humility. it was funny because he was like, he said, we're going to be humble about it, but he's like, it's got to be multiple, multiple championships. Yeah. Anyway, I, I like to cheer against teams, and I never really think much of the Chargers, and now I get to cheer against them. So I've got a rooting interest in every Chargers game. Give me a moo cow. On Jim Harbaugh. You know what I will throw out? Let's pr- we got to print out this. No, but I know but people can submit. They can weigh in on this before we print out this stuff. Are there any like Har- like either Harbaugh? Do people like the Harbaugh's? What's the general? What's the consensus on the Harbaugh? Doesn't John seem more normal than Jim? It'd be hard to be less normal than Jim. Yeah, he's a very strange individual. Mm-hmm. The, the remember the the pants from Costco where he'd buy pleated. Khakis. I think his wife had to kibosh those. He's like, no more, no more pleats. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just curious if people like the Harbaugh's. Anyway, you can uh, Dunbar Lumber Tech Sunday 650 650 weigh in. Humanoid, what we learned, print it up. What we learned, humanoids, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh my God, we're having a fire plan. Uh, we do have a winner for the $100 gift card to AJ's. We're going to do that at the very end of the show. Here's a tease and a spoiler. We've already read that Ask Us Anything, and we've gone over it. Uh, James in QB, Qualicum Beach, I imagine. Uh, Waynesboro. Is Talkit the most media-friendly coach we've ever seen in Vancouver? Um, Boudreau was pretty media. Boudreau was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I am. I I'll always say- thought AV had his, had his moments. But l- listen, everything has gone well. For talk it, yeah. Okay, but... the 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 grind hasn't really started for him. He hasn't really been tested in a in a really tough situation. Like Kuzmenko, I'm sure was annoying for him to talk about. But that being said, I love listening to him talk about hockey, talk about sports. You can tell this guy is a thinker. This guy loves um, it. Like he, when he says, "I'm a big puzzle guy," like I, 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 I believe him. Like, not that I think he's like at home doing jigsaw puzzles yeah. or anything, but like he it, likes to play cards. Presented right? by Ravensburger, he likes to. You know, I, I mean, one of the things I'd ask him is like, "When did you get so into puzzles, X's and O's?" And that sort of thing. Like, you know, a lot of players, even when they're playing, they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll listen to this stuff from the coach. But when did you get excited to talk about this stuff? He he seems like the type of guy that would be in a room with his assistant coaches or in a room with anyone. And he's not doing things just because it's his job. He's doing things because it genuinely interests him and it stimulates his mind. Um, I remember when he got hired by the TNT panel and being like, kind of flummoxed, like befuddled. I'm like, Rick Tockett? Yeah. Like, why? You were flummoxed. I was. Right. Not Rick was fine with it, I'm sure. Um, we're on a first-name basis now, me and Ricky. Um, Which and Rick from this hour? You got to be specific. Tockett. Okay. And then I remember thinking, like, like what would be the draw? Because it mm. wasn't like, this isn't meant as disrespect, but it wasn't like he was a super um, in-demand head coach after his 
his stint in Arizona, like or Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. and it did, like neither of them really did anything. He was just there. I mean, his big. Is it fair to say that he was most well known for being the Phil Kessel whisper? Yeah, but what I, the, the the story had an endpoint actually. So the point that I brought up is I didn't understand why, and then I watched him, and I'm like, oh. I get it. He loves talking about hockey, and he's really good at talking mm. about hockey. Like, there's some guys that don't have the vocabulary or can't process their thoughts well enough. Yeah, like they could be great hockey minds, but you've everyone's talked to someone who's bright, but you have a conversation with them, and you're like, I have no idea what this person's talking about. Yeah, or it's not coming across very clearly. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very good and very keen and very. Um, engaged when talking about hockey. So when I watched him, I was like, this is great. Now, as it pertains to the original Ask Us Anything, I think that doing a year of media absolutely helped him Mm -hmm. for this. I remember hearing him talk about game management on the broadcast, and part of me was like, is he angling for the Canucks job? Because you remember how bad the Canucks were at protecting leads, and they would play ridiculous hockey when they had a lead, and as a result... They'd blow a bunch of leads and in really dumb ways. And he made a point that's actually been made by a few other coaches and how, like, I can't remember who it was, was talking about game management and how it's kind of been forgotten. Yeah. Um, it might have been Knobloch. But just understanding what stage of the game you're at, and you can't just be, I know it became popular to be like, don't sit back. You got to keep attacking. You got to keep attacking. But there's a limit to that, mm-hmm. right? Like if you've got a two goal lead, you're not going to be throwing the puck up the middle of the ice or, you know, you're, you are actually going to err a little bit on the side of caution and on the side of being responsible. Yes, you want to keep attack. You don't want to sit back in a shell. You don't want to just be a talk and say flipping pucks out. You still have to make plays, but you also have to understand that you've got the lead. Uh, Austin and Langley with a what we learned. Hashtag WWO what we learned. Uh, Sean Monaghan was traded for a first round pick. This is confirmed, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. Laddie, you were shocked a, when you saw the It's a the conditional return. pick on top of the first round pick. So mm-hmm. the Montreal Canadiens acquired a first round pick to take on Sean Monaghan. Then traded Sean Monahan for a first-round pick. Correct. Is that the greatest piece of single business in NHL history? Well, they didn't do it without any risk. He was very injured coming over from Calgary. But they got they a first-round pick him. for They rehabbed him. They got him back in the it's lineup. Amazing. And they got a first. This is what they wanted to happen at the end of all this. But to say that it just happened and fell in their lap is, I think, a bit a bit. Austin nice. and Langley continues. Uh, Todd McClellan just got canned. Yes, in case you missed it, Todd McClellan is out as the head coach of the Los Angeles Kings. And Austin also writes, Olympic hockey is back. Now... Where are we on this? Because I mentioned earlier that Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff reported that the NHL and NHLPA today at the All-Star Game were going to announce an international tournament next year, February of 2025, which would replace the All-Star Weekend. Right. That's going to be a four-team international tournament held in Boston and Montreal, which will feature Canada, the U.S., Sweden, and Finland. Now, there was a tweet from the International Ice Hockey Federation, not the IHHF. <laughs> yeah, you always screw up. The I. The International Hockey Hockey, hockey Federation. Federation. Yeah. Now, uh, it was out there, and then it got deleted. Laddie, please fill in the gaps. I know I'm throwing you on the spot, but tell me what's going on here. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but it was to the the effect of, they're back. Welcome the NHL players. They've reached an agreement with the NHLPA for the next two Olympics, 2026 and 2030, to have NHL players 
And then it disappeared. Right. <laughs> Not before everyone could screenshot it, though. Okay. So we'll wait and see if my understanding, uh, there's been some some rumblings in and around it, is that the NHL was going to use this weekend where everyone's, all the eyes of the league are fixated on the All-Star Weekend in Toronto. They were going to announce the entire international calendar, which would include this tournament in 2025, and then, of course, the return to the Olympics in 2026. So we're waiting on that. Do we even have a host for 2030? I know 2026 is in Italy. I don't even know if there is a host. Well, last time Team Canada went to Italy with NHL players, it went so well, right? That went really well. Is it in the French Alps? Is that where yeah, we're going? Yeah, and the Mediterranean coast. The front runner, though. Ooh, of- the Mediterranean city of Nice. 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 Topless to, beaches. I've been to Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Attaboy. Very good. All right. It has been uh, a crazy week. Wow. The show's over. Of sports talk on the Halford and Bruff show. Lots of things happened, despite the fact that it was the all-star break. Yeah. Thank God for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin getting ahead of things making a big trade for Elias Lindholm. Uh, We had a great interview today with Rick Tockett. Now, that was originally scheduled for 8.30. So if you miss that, um, the Canucks, you know, as you can imagine, Tockett's schedule is pretty busy uh, in Toronto. So um, it went to 8.15. So download the podcast. Here's our winner of the Ask Us Anything. The winner is John from the Big C asking us, what do you think of the Hawks trading for DK? Totally been underutilized with the quarterback situation there and maybe could get a big haul for him. We actually read that one earlier in the show. So again, download all three hours of the podcast. Hours one, hours two, hours three uh, to hear our conversation on that. And kudos to Big John or John from the Big C uh, for Big John from the C. Big John from the C. That's Big a total, John. Yeah, that's a different movie. Okay, we got to get John. out of here. Big John. <laughs> it's been a fun week. Thank you all for listening. Basketball Ben, thanks for coming aboard. Uh, signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. As mentioned, he's been Basketball Ben. And he, as always, has been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we come back next uh, week, right? Uh, go! And turn it up a notch! You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.